0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb, building
1: strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So he says, Thomas, put your finger into the print of the nails and put your hand into my side, just like you said that it was going to take for you. And be not faithless. Notice what Jesus calls the condition, the choice to believe only what you can see and feel. He calls that faithless. Now, we call that believing in what you see. But God calls that faithless or unbelief. Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Now, notice what Jesus says. Jesus does not say, Well, finally, you're on board with us. Jesus said unto him, "Thomas, because you have seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Notice there's no blessing attached to Thomas's, kind of, Thomas's choice to believe. None whatsoever. There's no blessing attached to the Thomas kind of faith, believing in what you see or feel. None. He said the blessing comes from those who have not seen and yet believe. Look with me to Romans chapter 4. Let's look at the contrast here. Romans chapter 4 tells us the kind of faith that we're supposed to follow, the faith of Abraham. We'll start in verse 17. As it is written, this is God and his promise to Abraham. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him or like unto him, another translation says, whom he believed. Even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. Who, talking about Abraham, against hope without any natural circumstance or physical circumstance to give him hope. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Now what is he basing that belief on? If he doesn't have any physical circumstances to substantiate it or to tell him that it's true. What is he believing in that he might become the father of many nations? Well the next phrase tells you according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. In other words, the only thing he had to base his hope on is what God said to him about children. No physical circumstance in his body. No physical circumstance in his life or his situation. No evidence, physical evidence in in any means or manner whatsoever. The only thing he had to go on in an impossible situation, after he was too old to have children, the only, sit, the only thing that he had to go on was what God had told him about having children. Or we might say it this way, the only thing he had to go on was God's word. And being not weak in faith, verse 19, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I like the American Standard Version of verse 20 a lot better. It says that he didn't consider his own body, the physical circumstances, what he could see or feel. Well, then what did he consider? But looking under the American Standard Version says, but looking under the promise of God, he wavered not through unbelief. Looking under the promise of God, he wavered not through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. In other words, you've got two situations here, two contrasts. You've got Thomas who said, I'll only believe what I can see and feel. You got Abraham who had nothing to see and feel to support what he believed. Well, what did support what he believed? Something that he couldn't see, the word of God, the word of God. And he refused to look at the things that he could see and feel in the natural realm, in this physical realm to dissuade him from exercising his will to believe what God said. How do we know he exercised his will? Because he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. How do you give glory to God without opening your mouth? How do you give glory to God without using words? How do you give glory to God without the exercise of your will to speak? You can't. In other words, it's telling us that he had the same situation, the same conflict, same choice as Thomas. Thomas had nothing to appear, nothing to look at, only the testimony of the other apostles. But he had the testimony on the other hand, the physical evidence on the other hand, wait a minute, I saw Jesus die, I saw him buried. What's he going to believe? He could have believed either one. He could have made his choice to believe either way. He chose to believe in what he could see or feel. Abraham was just the opposite. Abraham had physical circumstances that told him, screamed at him, you are too old to have children, you can't have children, Sarah's too old. This is a done deal, impossible. And on the other hand, he had God's promise. Look at the stars of the sky. So shall your seed be. So what does Thomas do? Thomas looks away from the testimony that Jesus is alive to the physical evidence of I saw him die and I saw him buried. Abraham looks away from the physical evidence of the impossibilities in the natural realm to have children to what he can't see but what he heard. He heard God say, so shall your seed be. And what happened? Thomas was faithless. Abraham was strong in faith. God honors faith. And remember, when the Bible talks about faith, it's talking about the God kind of faith. Now turn with me over to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Verse 13 tells us about the Holy Ghost and tells us about being led or guided by him. Jesus said to his disciples just before he went to the cross, he said, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, where's the Holy Ghost going to guide you? He's going to guide you into all truth. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Turn the page over to John chapter 17. This is after Jesus goes to pray just before he's taken captive by the Romans. Romans. Jesus, in his prayer, there's a lot of great things that that are there that we could talk about. He's praying that we'd be one with the Father. He's praying for the church, that you and I would be one with the Father just like he's one with the Father. Not lower class, not second class, but the same relationship, the same union with the Father that Jesus had, which was the source of all the supernatural and miraculous things that he did, is what he prayed that we would have. Well, I wonder if God intended to answer that prayer. Well, sure, he's praying according to the will of the Father. That's the relationship that we have now. But notice in verse 17, John chapter 17, verse 17 is a part of this prayer. Jesus says, sanctify them, meaning the church, meaning you, through thy word. Thy word is truth. Now back to John chapter 16, verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. Well, what's the truth? Jesus said, talking about the truth in both cases, he has to mean the same thing in both verses of scripture, doesn't he? I mean the truth's not going to be one thing in John 16:13 and the truth be another thing in John 17:17 17, 17, when Jesus is the one doing the talking. So when it says in John 16 verse 13 how be it when he the spirit of truth has come he'll guide you into all truth, what can we look for the holy ghost to guide us into? The word. The word. In other words, the first place that the holy ghost is going to lead you, he's going to lead you into believing the word. First and foremost, in every area of life, in every aspect of life. In other words, the conflict that takes place in every one of our situations, every con- condition, every circumstance that we face, the conflict or the battle for the will of man, you've got the Holy Ghost on one side always impressing upon you or bearing witness with your spirit to believe God's word. Always. Always how many times have you been sitting in a service or sitting in any situation and the thought comes to you, that's not going to work? You'll read the scripture, you'll hear something preached, and, and the thought comes to you, well, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. Wouldn't it be nice if the Holy Ghost spoke as loud as the devil? Because we always hear him. We always hear the devil. We always hear the thoughts of doubt. We always hear the devil speaking to our minds. Never to our hearts because that's not where he is. Never to the hidden man. Always to the outward man. Always pointing you to some physical circumstance or some situation, some condition that disqualifies the word. And it's nothing new. It's the, devil, the devil's been doing this from the beginning. But it's always right there. Many times those thoughts are screaming in our ears, so to speak. Here's why it won't work. You can't give your, you can't pay your tithes and give an offering today. Look at all the bills you've got stacked up. You need that money for other things. And what does the Holy Ghost do? He's just quietly bearing witness with our spirit. The word's true. The word's true. But the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He won't force you to choose God's word. He won't force you to choose to believe. The devil trying to force you. He'll try to force you not to believe. He'll try to force you to believe in what you can see and feel. But not God. Not the Holy Ghost. He's a perfect gentleman. He's always there bearing witness with your heart. What is the devil doing? He's trying to scream loud enough to where you can't hear the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your heart. He's trying to distract you with the circumstances. One of the great stories that we have in the scriptures in Numbers chapter 13 where it tells about the children of Israel coming to the edge of the promised land. Great story, great example of, of, of the conflict that takes place for the will of man. Numbers chapter 13 tells us about Moses sending in the 12 spies into the promised land. They go into the promised land and find out it is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's everything God told them that it would be. God had also told them that people lived there. He told them the Hittites were there, the Jebusites were there, the Amalekites were there, and Canaanites were there, and others. So they go into the land and find out, wow, this land is great. But, uh uh-oh, people live here. Nothing new. God told them that already. But they look at the size of the walls around the cities. They look at the size of the armies of of the opponents. They look at all the physical circumstances. Now, they've got physical evidence that proved that what God said about the land was true. But they look at all the other things around them. Ten of the twelve spies came back and said, we can't do it. Now, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says, talking about this very instance, it says, take heed that unless there be in you an evil heart of unbelief like them. In other words, their position is what the Bible calls an evil heart of unbelief. What does that have to mean? That means they took sides against God's word. That means they exercised their will against what God said. They lost the battle, so to speak. Their will was determined by something other than what God said. And that's what the Bible calls an evil heart of unbelief. Now what God calls evil Is a whole lot different than what man considers to be evil Man considers evil to be wrongdoing God considers evil to be taking sides against his word Now certainly taking sides against his word will lead you to wrongdoing But it's not the behavior itself That's the issue It's the choice That man makes It's the determination of man's will Jesus died and shed his blood and was buried and he took our sins to the grave. And then after three days, God said, that's enough. And he raised his son to life. Jesus Christ is alive. He's here tonight.
0: Experience the power of the gospel. Franklin Graham, evangelist, and son of America's pastor, Billy Graham, will minister at Foothill Family Church Wednesday, December 2nd. You'll be encouraged and strengthened by his compelling message of the cross and how the Bible speaks to our time. Don't miss this special service. For more information, visit foothillfamily.com Franklin. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: So the 12 spies go into the promised land. They come back, they bring the, the, the fruit of the land and the a cluster of grapes that two people have to carry between them on a the stick. Those 10 spies come back. 10 of the 12 say, the land is everything God said that it was but... But the people be strong that live in the land. And they've got big walls around their cities. Caleb spoke up real quickly and said. We're well able to take the land. God's with us. In other words, he's taking sides with God's word. We're well able to take the land. But the 12, the other 10 of the 12 said, we're not able to go up against them. We're not able to go up against them. Now, folks, I want you to understand the evil heart of unbelief is when they took sides against God's word. It's when they took sides against God's word. Did they know there was a conflict going on between the devil and God? Did they know that there was a fight going on for their will? Did anybody stop and and instruct them and say, now, wait a minute, as soon as you guys get back, there's going to be this conflict. There's going to be this struggle. It's going to be a spiritual struggle. It's going to be a struggle between what God has promised And whatever you see in in the promised land that might deter you from taking possession of it, they had no clue. Well, if we get a clue and understand how things work, we should have a great advantage over them, shouldn't we? We should. How many Christians do get a clue? A whole lot less than what I'm sure God would want it to be. So what did they do? 10 of the 12 said, we're not able to take the land for they are stronger than we are. Now, what has happened? What they saw influenced their decision. What they saw in the promised land, what did they see? Well, they saw the walls around the cities. They saw all the people there. They saw the, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. They saw the Amalekites. They saw the Hittites. They saw the Jebusites. They saw the Canaanites. Looks like too many people and too strong a c- tribes. What did it do? It changed how they saw themselves. There we saw the sons of Anak there, the sons of the giant, and the Amalekites, and the Canaanites, and the Jebusites. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, they said. They said. How do we know what their will was? Folks, you can always identify somebody's will by what they say. What did they choose? The ten spies chose to take sides against God's word. Caleb and Joshua stood up in the middle of it and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't rebel against God. In other words, don't take sides against what God said. We're still able to do it. God's on our side. We can do it. I know they're strong. I saw the walls too. I saw the same people you did. I saw their military strength. But God's on our side. God said the land was ours. What are they going by? What are Caleb and Joshua going by? They speak and show what they've determined their will to be based on what God said not what they saw. See, they didn't walk into the promised land and see any evidence that the land was theirs. Yet God said that it was. They didn't see any reason whatsoever, any physical evidence whatsoever, any circumstance to speak of that said they can take possession of this land. They saw they were outnumbered. They saw that the, the military strength of the all these different people and armies was greater than theirs. They saw that they were outmatched, but they also knew that God's word said. God had given his word saying, the land is yours. I'll deliver the land unto you. So they're going by what they can't see. The ten spies went by, went by what they could see. The ten spies are taking the Thomas route. They're doing the same thing Thomas did. Because of what I can see and feel, I say we can't do it, they said. They said. Caleb and Joshua is just the opposite. They went the Abraham route. They went according to the, what the Bible identifies and defines as the God kind of faith. Now, folks, what I want to get across to you is faith is a spiritual force. The Holy Spirit is always going to guide you into the truth. The Word is the truth. That means he's always going to guide you into believing the Word. The Holy Spirit will always guide you into faith. Why? Because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory, Jesus said, that changes circumstances. Faith is the victory that will overcome the works of the devil against you. Faith is the victory that will overcome poverty. Faith is the victory that will overcome sickness. Faith is the victory that will overcome debt. Faith is the victory that will overcome any problem that you face in this earth. And faith is always based on what you can't see, not what you can see. And again, why is that so important? Because there's a constant battle for the will of man. There's a constant battle for the will of man. Constant battle for the will of man. What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to stick with what God said? Remember what God said about his word. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never fail. In other words, the word of God that provides promises for you that you can't see naturally Will last longer than the circumstances that tell you that it won't work. The devil is fighting constantly for your will. Every situation, every circumstance. That's why the Bible says to take every thought captive and bring it into obedience to the word. Every thought. Why? Because everything is a battle for your will. Everything is a battle for your will. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. The Word of God is truth, folks. He'll guide you to believe in the Word. Believe in what you can't see and speak according to what you can't see, not according to what you can see. Brother Hagin told a story one time. I told it many times, but a situation that occurred where he was uh, preaching a service or a seminar in uh, 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 Assembly of God Church, I believe it was. And there was a nearby pastor, another Assembly of God minister, that had come over. To the meetings, and um, um, been in the ministry for a long time. Knew what the Bible said, heard other people preach it, and had contracted a um, some kind of physical condition. I'm not sure what the sickness was, but it was had gotten so severe that it was severely limiting his ability to to minister and stuff like that. And if it didn't change pretty quick, he's going to have to give the church over to somebody else, and so forth. So he came over to the, to the meeting that Brother Hagen was holding in this other town. And um, he was acquaintance, an acquaintance of Brother Hagin's, and the other pastor knew him. And, and um, so they knew that he was coming. They knew when he got there, and they knew that he wanted Brother Hagin to pray for him. So Brother Hagin preached the, whatever message he was preaching that uh, particular time. And this guy came up at the end of the service, and, and everybody in town, it was this, past, this uh, other guy pastored close enough to this uh, town where the meeting was being held that everybody knew the situation. So this guy comes up after the, the service as one of the people in the prayer line, and and uh, Brother Hagan lays hands on him in uh, minister's healing in the name of Jesus. And as soon as he took his hands off of him, the guy kind of hollered out and said, Nope, 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 don't have it. I don't feel any different. I, I don't have it. Brother Hagan said his first thought was, Man, you're messing up my prayer line. So he started to move on, and, and this guy said, Nope, nope. No, uh, that's not it. That's not it. So Brother Hagan stopped and went back and said, Okay, well, let me lay hands on you again. So he laid hands on him the second time. Same thing happened. As soon as he got his hands off of him, the guy said, No, nope, no, nope, don't have it. It's a pastor, full gospel pastor. No, nope, no, nope, don't have it. So Brother Hagan laid hands on him the third time. Same thing. Didn't even get his hands off of him this time. The guy says, No, nope, no, nope, I don't have it. No. Don't feel any different. It's still there in my body. And uh, Brother Hagin said that he said to himself or said within himself to the Lord, Lord, what am I going to do? And the Lord gave him an instruction, he instantly gave him an instruction. So Brother Hagan backed up, said, let me ask you something, brother. He said, when are you going to start believing that you received your healing? Now, during the service, he taught on Mark eleven twenty four. We didn't read it this morning, but it was right on the heels of Jesus talking about speaking to the mountain. He said, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. See, folks, you need to understand something. There's a difference between believing you receive and having. You don't need faith for the things you have. You need faith for the things you don't have. And faith is the evidence of things that you don't see. And as soon as you have it, you don't need faith anymore. Your faith is fulfilled. So he asked this guy. He said, tell me, brother, when are you going to start believing you receive your healing? The guy said, well, when I have it. Brother Hagan said, well, why would you want to believe for it then? It like you'd know it then. And there were a couple of people in the crowd that snickered. And it kind of got the guy's attention. He said, wait, say that again. So Brother Hagan asked him the second time. He said, when are you going to start believing you receive your healing? He said, when I have it. Brother Hagan said the same thing. Why would you want to wait till then? Seems like you'd know it then. More people called on in the crowd and kind of laughed under, you know, kind of a quiet laugh. And he embarrassed this guy. So he said, say that one more time. He thinks this is a trick question and other people, I'm missing something here. So Brother Hagin asked him the third time. He said, when are you going to start believing you receive your healing? And the guy says, when I have my healing. Brother Hagin said, Why would you want to wait till then? It Seems like you'd know it when you have it. By now, the whole crowd's laughing out loud. This guy said, well, I just, I don't understand what you're saying. So he went back to his seat. Died within a short short time after, you know, several months later. But Brother Hagin said the end result of that, he said, I had one of the best healing services I ever had in my life. Because everybody in the crowd caught it. This was a perfect opportunity for them to see the difference between believing according to what God's Word says as opposed to believing according to what you see or feel. He said almost everybody else in that healing line received their healing almost instantly. And the ones that didn't receive instantly got it before I left town because they saw how it worked. They saw, even if they were inclined to do the same thing as this full gospel pastor did, they saw that it doesn't bring results. You don't need faith for what you already have. The God kind of faith is for what you don't yet have. Do you understand that? And the God kind of faith is a choice to believe God's word no matter what you see or feel. Now, folks, that's the operation of your spirit. That's the operation of your spirit, and it's the number one way that the Holy Ghost will lead you is according to the word of God. The first thing the Holy Ghost is going to tell you is go this direction based on what this word says. Most people want the Holy Ghost to tell them what investment to make. Give me the lottery numbers, Lord. Holy Ghost. But God starts by leading you in the direction of his word. The word says this about you. Start saying that. The word says this about your situation. Start saying that. And it's a still, small voice. Like I said, I wish the Holy Ghost spoke as loud as the devil. But that's not how it works. He doesn't try to overpower you with the truth. He just gently leads you to where it is. Your choice, believe it or not, act on it or not, speak it or not. But that's always where the Holy Ghost will lead you. The Holy Ghost will always lead you to pay your tithes. The Holy Ghost will always lead you to confess the word. The Holy Ghost will always lead you to tell the truth. Even on your taxes. That never goes over well but it's the truth. The Holy Ghost will always lead you to act in line with what God's Word says and never oppose to it. Jesus said that when the Holy Ghost was come, He would guide us into all truth. He is a spiritual guide who bears witness with our spirits as to the truth of God's Word and the truth of His plan for our lives. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Now folks, I want you to understand something. Jesus is saying something very, very simple, but very, very important. And it's instructive to me that it's the first thing that Jesus says when he comes face to face with the devil. The first thing Jesus says when he comes face to face with the devil is, the most important thing to me is the Word.
0: Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit filled lives through God's Word.